As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you know, then you know. It's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads. Working all week, trying to turn this blood, sweat, and tears poor. With a little bit of green in the gold, you can find me smoke right by. Support for the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Add me to the list. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You want 20% off and free shipping? Go to manscaped.com and enter promo code JED and you will receive a huge discount for your next grooming experience. Check them out at manscaped.com. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the strip teaser and the Saturday Night Hooker. Big Jed, how are you? Luke, I am well. Uh, Very well. I hope you are. Looking forward to the show and all the the content that we have to talk about. But other than that, personally, I just couldn't be better. Hope the same for you, my friend. Absolutely. As always, it is good to hear your voice. I would say it's good to see your face, but we don't really have the webcam thing going on today. But good to hear your voice. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely better heard than seen and not good for either. 
All right. So today's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of like live podcasting. We are recording Thursday night. So um, by the time that you hear this, the SFG 500 will be in full swing. Um, eliminations will be commencing. Uh, as it is, we're watching some of the uh, the hundred grander. Uh, leading up to the big show. So we'll be talking about that sort of in real time and uh, and discussing the events of the week in Bradenton uh, that have led us to this point. Uh, in addition, we've got some actual on-track uh, coverage to recap, basically from every facet of sportsman racing. We've got some NHRA stuff. We've got uh, some stock super stock racing, some big money top ball races, some big money bottom ball races. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit of everything. But Jed, as fun as all that's going to be, as much as I'm looking forward to that, uh, where I, f- I feel like we feel compelled to start the show is not a fun topic at all. Um, following a, a pretty lengthy battle with multiple, scleros- multiple sclerosis and uh, cancer, um, Diane O'Neill, that's the wife of top sportsman racer Don O'Neill, uh, passed away, I believe it was uh, yesterday evening as we record this. And um, that's certainly where our uh, our thoughts and prayers lie at this point. Yeah, Luke, uh, just a tremendous loss for for everyone that Diane has impacted in her life, and that that list and group was very large. Uh, certainly, her and Don uh, through their their marriage have uh, been able to get out and travel quite a bit and do some racing. Unfortunately, the last couple of years, that hasn't been an option due to her battle. And, uh, she finally, um, gave away to that disease. Uh, I think it was about four thirty yesterday, if I remember correctly, if you're hearing this, whatever day you're hearing this, that would, I think be Wednesday. Uh, Don and I chatted on text the day prior and, he said they felt like they had about a week, and obviously it didn't last that long. But he uh, he talked about uh, her girls and them losing a, a wonderful mother and just a, a fine example of how to live. And you know, one thing that I, I think Diane did a wonderful job of through this battle was just having the best spirit possible. Uh, she smiled to the bitter end. She was very positive and just, you know, showed people how you battle something this difficult and challenging. And she set a fine example for her girls and and for anyone that was watching. So uh, definitely thoughts and prayers for Don, the children, and just her family and all of the people that that she had touched throughout her life, she would definitely be missed, and it's a it's a very tragic loss for for anyone that that knew her or knew of her. Yeah, I couldn't uh, I could not say that better, Judge. She left a mark um, on basically. I I think it's fair to say uh, anyone that was close to her, and um, I I won't pretend at this point to um, have known Diane that well. Um, I, I knew her through Don. Right, and I guess that's the 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 frame of of reference that I I tend to look at this through. I just uh, I don't know. They say that uh, you know a, a a funeral service, for example, that it's it's more for uh, 
the the survivors than it is for the deceased right and and that's what it is like this is the the morning stage for for don and for that whole family and just on don's and like i've known that guy for a long time right and i feel like we we became friends at a time when we were both kind of trying to prove ourselves in this industry for uh, maybe, maybe in slightly different ways right but and over the years i think we've managed to kind of do that in our own unique way and there's just been an ongoing mutual respect and i realize in life that what's the saying you know nobody gets through life unscathed right there's uh, whether it's the loss of a loved one or divorce um, uh, assault like go, go down the long list of awful things that can happen to people like there's there's big t trauma there's small t trauma like no, no one gets through it without and just knowing what i know of don's past um he's had more than his share and like he's he's been through some stuff right and i just know that when he met diane and when they got together like it just it, it breathed life into that man it it i in my from my perspective like that relationship was the culmination that, that was everything that i felt like he deserved right like he was happy he was fulfilled they obviously just completed each other and i don't it, I, it does no one any good to to have bitterness but damn i'm bitter like i just that man doesn't deserve this like i just um my heart aches jed my heart aches for don and though the, the and obviously the entire family I, I the outpouring of support that i've seen on social media is heartwarming it lets you know how many people they have touched uh, obviously within our sport and beyond it and, and like far reaches of our sport like from media members to industry members to professional racers like it, it's that part's been really cool to see and i know at this point that that provides little solace right the, 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 the little comfort um, but uh, in the days to come, um, I, I hope that there's positive to be taken from that, from Don and from the family. And um, yeah, I just, God, it's just been such a hard thing to watch. And um, just want to let them know that, that we're thinking of them. Extremely well said, Luke. If, if there were ever a couple that complimented one another to the fullest, it was uh, Diane and Don. And they, they did seem perfect for one another. And they certainly, from my view, lived for one another, which is exactly how it's supposed to go. So, uh, again, thoughts and prayers to Don and, and everyone impacted by this loss. And uh, certainly rest in peace, Diane O'Neill. All right. Let's get on with the show. But first. Pete. No. Let's go with the legend, Steve Evans. Huh? All across North America, sportsman drivers vie for not only divisional wins and championship points. Now here you're going to see that tortoise and hare style of drag racing as it's the handicaps that make it all work, where you can combine literally dozens and dozens of classes of cars into one eliminator. Now we're going to get our first look at the sportsman ranks. 
All right, Jed, as we record in real time, uh, Thursday evening, I've got one window uh, of my computer screen in front of me open. We're in third round of the second $100,000 to win event of the week at SFG 500. So let's start there. Uh, let's talk about what has happened at Bradenton to this point. Yeah, Luke, uh, obviously uh, the, the SFG 500K going on, it's a week-long deal down there. They've been racing for several days, but uh, of note, or the most notable thing is uh, Johnny Ezel, JBR, Johnny Bracket Racer, uh, fresh off of uh, uh, he and Madison bringing a, a new little one into the world, I think about a month ago, um, Johnny rolls to the 50K win in the shootout, 50K shootout down there, uh, gets that win over Steve Law. Uh, obviously right back to his normal winning ways and doing it in big fashion with the uh, little man in the in the winter circle with him so that was really cool to see uh, johnny bracket racer lou just continues to show out on the big stage even as you know you're you're a father of two so you know what it's like a month in to your first obviously it's the second child in his household but it's his first and a month in, there's a lot happening. You're still learning a lot and getting little sleep. But Johnny Bracket Racer didn't let that affect him. Gets a 50k win. As I uh, as I tweeted uh, the day after, early returns suggest that fatherhood agrees with Johnny Bracket Racer. Um, no sleep, no problem, did? No, it didn't seem to bother him at all. Which I I've known Johnny for a little while and kind of I don't think he's used to sleeping a whole lot anyway. Um, maybe this is a different reason that's keeping him awake, but uh, it's probably fairly normal for him to not get a whole lot of sleep. You know, My normal. impression as well, and as per usual, as I think we've come to expect, uh, Johnny was putting on a show. Not only did he win the event, he was doubled down to, I don't know, a dozen cars or so in that 50 grander, um, just making really impressive, making Johnny's L-type laps. Yep, yep, typical for him. Uh, they had an $8,000 eight to win shootout. Brent Martin got the win over Lee Dixon there. Um, obviously they're in a hundred K race right now. They've had one already. Uh, Mark Mullen got Vega to, to the front. Yep. Yeah, got the win in the Vega, got the win over Brent Martin. So that was cool to see Mark, uh, taking his good looking little Vega to the winner circle, which was a popular thing apparently over the, the weekend as you got a win in pro at Bowling Green. But this ain't about you, Luke. This is SFG 500. I mean, they're right on par. I won uh, $800 off the bottom, and yeah. Mark Mullen won 100000 That's close, mm. right? After split, I, he was probably barely over what you won. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> our, our, home girl, our home girl, Lauren Freer, got a $5,000 lady shootout win. That was last night. Again, we're recording on Thursday, so that was Wednesday night. She got the win over Elizabeth Clayton uh, in that $5,000 uh, final round. And Luke... Um, all in all, uh, the car count probably did not meet expectations for the SFG promotion team. Um, seems to be down just a little bit, and, and that's probably the biggest story for us right now is what, what caused that? What do you think are some underlying causes for the car count? Still a good car count, but probably not at the expectation they expect that, that they had for the event. No, it's it's an interesting case study, and, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into it. The one I did want to circle back briefly and just give some credit to 
won Brent Martin. You mentioned he runnered up the hundred grander. He won the eight grander the day before. He was also doubled at nine or ten cars in the hundred. And I haven't just been glued to Motormania TV for this, Jed, but it seems like every time I turn it on, Brent Martin's staging. And every time that I see him stage, he's like eight total or better. Like, it's disgusting. Like, he was just making ridiculous runs. And I think, I just thought it was notable because... I don't know really how how many like entries or how many what the field was capped at in that eight thousand dollar race, but to be doubled down to ten cars in that hundred grander, I mean you're talking sixth seventh round, so within the span of like twenty four hours or less, I'm assuming Brent Martin went down the track twenty ish times in competition, and you know as well as I do like there is something to be said for getting into a rhythm, but there is a point where I personally and most people that I watch typically kind of hit a wall like it's just hard to keep doing it like the the mental and physical toll that it takes to make runs at the level you have to 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 have success at an event like that over and over and over and over like most of us will slip up at some point and typically when we slip up like it's really hard to recover that's why I I thought this this performance it reminded me of say Billy Swain at last year's uh, SFG million just going round after round after round with so much on the line so little time between runs like you would think of that that would take its toll on equipment on the the physical aspect of it on mindset and I, anytime that i see someone just repeatedly make runs at that level back to back to back to back i think that's as impressive as anything in the sport so i did want to shed some light and some kudos on one brent martin um back to your point <clears throat> bigger picture um it's not as if this race is a disaster from a car count standpoint, um, but I do I, I do think it's fair to say that it's below expectation. Best I could figure, um, and from the reports that I've got in the first hundred grander, so it might have changed some. That did start on uh, Tuesday, correct? Um, best I could tell, like three hundred seventy-ish entries went down the track in round one, uh, with doubles and all, and <clears throat> that sounds like a big number, but I think uh, history would say in these SFG races, like they're looking for a, a number closer to 500, maybe in excess of 500. And I'm curious to see, again, we're recording this a day prior to the big show, the, the $500,000 to win guaranteed event. Typically in uh, events of this nature, like I would compare this to uh, million dollar races uh, of current and past. And traditionally, the surrounding races around the million, um, you know, the 30 granders, 50 granders, whatever they may be, traditionally, the entries accumulated for those versus the entries in the quote unquote big show, you can typically expect like 60-ish percent of the racers on the premises, so to speak, to enter the million. Maybe those percentages get skewed a little bit due to the the way that SFG events are structured, but I don't think it's realistic to say, like, let's just say they had 400 cars in 100 grander. Like, I don't think you're going to get 400 in the 500 grander. So how far down will that be? And it just, you can just do quick math. Like, if there's 300 entries in tomorrow's 500 grander at $1,500 a pop, like, you don't have to be a mathematician to know that that's four hundred fifty thousand dollars and it pays five hundred thousand to win, right? There's a purse on top of that. Granted, there's buyback money coming in, but like, that's that's not enough cars to to pay the purse. Like, there's no profit to be had there, which no one likes to see. I guess the question at this point, Jed, the bigger picture question is, is that 
strictly a result of the location and the timing of this event or does it speak to the bigger picture in that like I mean in this year alone there's what six seven seven plus events that boast a winner's purse guaranteed winner's purse in excess of two hundred thousand dollars I guess the big picture question is can our market continue to support that and or you know is that a concern or is this just a one-off and and if so what do you attribute it to well first Luke I, I definitely think our market is able to support the amount of uh, large events and you you qualified that with that number around 200 but let's say 100 and above i think our market can can handle the amount of events that's on the schedule i think it was proven last year and arguably the most difficult year for racing that we will ever have and it finished really strong so i think the the market is fine i think the health of big money bracket racing is fine this, however, probably is a result, or at least in my opinion, of time and location. Uh, um, it's a tough time of year. I know personally, uh, I have a lot going on with the kids uh, through uh, softball, baseball, a lot of things happening. I know a lot of other racers that are impacted by their kids playing spring sports. And although we seem to find ways around that and and we're able to do both you know where this event is taking place it's kind of a one-way street it's one way in one way out it's you know it isn't centrally located to the point where people can get to it from seemingly everywhere now i'm sure if you listen to the announcers say where everyone's from that doesn't hold water because i'm sure you're hearing you know, plenty of Ohio and Pennsylvania and wherever else, but you really, you know, you've got some hardcore racers that's going to do it no matter where it is. But I think to be the most successful in a time where there's a lot going on, you have to be more centrally located. And I, I think probably their car count um, being a little short of what they probably expected as a result of, you know, it's not easy to get to Bradenton, Florida. And you definitely you go all the way down there and then you come all the way out and i think that probably the lack of central location is probably impacting that car count to about you know from the 500 number i i really believe had the event been a little more centrally located like a darlington or you know somewhere in the southeast or the the east coast you probably lend yourself to the amount of entries needed to get it up to that 500. So uh, I think SFG is still plenty strong. I think the sport and big money bracket racing is still plenty strong. And this one probably just didn't fit from a time and location standpoint. I think that's fair. Let's let me break this down a couple ways. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate. First and foremost, uh, and, and you touched on this briefly, um, like I don't, this is in no way uh, a shot at SFG or at Kyle Riley, like I, they will, they have had races in the past that were low a car count and uh, did everything that they said they were going to do. Right? I, I have no doubt that the purse will be paid tomorrow. Like I'm just saying, like it's not good for SFG. It's not good for the sport of bracket racing for big big events like this to to come out in the red. Right? 
Um, and and what impact does it have in the future? Now, to take your point, I do agree. I do think it's a tough time of year specifically to have a, a week-long event, right? Particularly with the travel involved. I mean, you're talking most of the people there probably left last Friday night and will get home sometime this Sunday, right? You've gone for a, a solid week, uh, missing work, school, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I do... I just from personal experience like this is a very busy time of year with school spring sports like i get everything that you said there and bradenton florida no knock on the facility at all love going down there awesome place great people um if you're having an event of this nature in bradenton florida realistically you are drawing racers from one direction north like it's just it's not a question of whether or not you got to go south it's just a question of how far south Yep. And you're drawing racers from west, right? Because it's not a question of do I need to go east? It's how far east, right? It's just geographically in a corner, and it's a long way down in Florida. Like, it's one thing to get to the Florida state line. Like, when you get to the state line, you're like six hours from Bradenton. You know what I mean? It's a long way. Um, and I think when you combine those, it's it's a bit of a tough sell, even with the brand recognition and the the, the positive equity that SFG has built up in the racing community. So I think all of your points are, are likely spot on. I do think, and again, I'll play devil's advocate, <clears throat> you could take the other tact with this because to this point in the season, the two big events that have gone off are the Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas and now the SFG 500 in Bradenton. And honestly, you couldn't have two more geographically divergent locations, right? We sung the praises of the SFG or the, uh, the Spring Fling Million not because it had a massive car count in comparison to recent years, be, but because it exceeded our expectations given the challenges presented to having that race in the spring of 2021. Um, it was down. I, I think it was mainly down because they simply couldn't draw from Canada and Mexico um, as they have in the past, but nonetheless, down. And the argument that I've heard that I think could have some validity as well, Jed, is that Yes, all of this worked in 2020, right? We had $4 million races and a slew of big money races, like literally every weekend or every other weekend for what seemed like four months. And they all were supported, like they were all successful. The argument that perhaps that was a perfect storm would go something like this, Jed. Like, okay, yes, um, we were smack in the middle of a pandemic, but do you know what that meant? It meant that I think the perhaps the, the biggest caveat was that there was very little competition for the entertainment dollar. Like, we couldn't vacation, right? We were, racing was literally an opportunity to get away. And it, while I realized that the pandemic has obviously affected some very negatively economically. I would say that by and large in our market, we've been unaffected and, and many have benefited. There's government money going around, like the racing economy has been really strong. I just think you could make the argument that a lot of factors played in that allowed racers to maybe go to one of those events in 2020, or perhaps all of those events in 2020, where in a normal circumstance, perhaps that's not as realistic. I've heard that argument. 
and I do think that there could be something there. Um, again, time will tell. We'll, we'll have to take one of these races that's in a little bit more central location and, and in a little bit more, you know, common time of year, I guess, before we can jump to conclusions. But I do think it's fair to approach it from either direction. Yeah, uh, very well said. Uh, definitely some key points there that, you know, that could have possibly led to the event or maybe should have led to the event having a few more entries, um, certainly dollars coming in that wasn't expected and, and people having a little more disposable income as a result of some of that support. But I guess, Luke, overall, you know, the format that the way these events are structured, you know, they're kind of built around low entry, affordable, let's call it affordable entry, certainly for the dollars that you're racing for, that you're competing for. Um, unfortunately for, for Kyle Riley and the SFG crew, that just, it requires monster car counts. And by and large, history has said that he's going to get that because he gets it at most of his events. When he doesn't, he does everything he says he'll do. And, you know, the checks cash and everybody's happy, obviously, except for the one writing them. But uh, I, I certainly believe his model is uh, it has a place in, in racing. I don't think this is... Uh, by any means a, a clear indication of how things will continue to go for SFG events or any of the, the big money races. I, I, I just think it was a product of timing and a challenging spot for people to get to. Look, I'm in the South and for people listening all around the country or world or wherever they're listening from, you know, they think, well, okay, Jed's in Alabama. So Florida's just right there. That should be easy to get to. It's about 10 and a half hours for me to Bradenton, maybe even 11. So I can get from Birmingham to Bradenton in about 11 hours. I went to Quaker City, Ohio, Luke. I still don't even know where the hell Quaker City, Ohio is. And I went there in 11 hours and raced quite a few years ago. And that's, I mean, you think about Birmingham to wherever that is, uh, central east Ohio, near the, the Pennsylvania line. I went there and raced in 11 hours, and it'd take me 11 to get to Bradenton. So it's just a challenging trip for most, and I think that's what caused the number to fall where it fell. And like you said, it's not a disaster by any means, but I think the number fell where it fell because not the, not the facility, just the geographical location that this thing is in is just challenging. So... Those guys are going to recover just fine, and they're going to have huge events throughout the year, and I think these big money racers are going to do just wonderful. Yeah, and to, to reiterate, like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to feel like we're uh, giving SFG a eulogy by any stretch of the imagination. Like they, that's a strong, strong program that will overcome this. Like I say, they they had a blip on the radar a few years ago with the. It seems like the World Series event at Carolina was was really poorly attended, and he paid all the purse, and they came back and hit home run after home run ever since. So yeah, that was uh, a no dragster nationals. Okay, okay, yeah. So uh, again, blip on the radar probably in the big picture, but 
I mean, that's easy for us to say. Like, if, if this race is losing money in the six figures, like, if I was the promoter, that would be a little bit more than a blip on the radar. But my, my point was that I'm sure that SFG will be fine. Um, but this is not optimal for anyone involved. Um, Jed, let's move on. Uh, NHRA events uh, got back on track. Uh, a little bit. I think we had two weeks around Easter there where there was no NHRA race and had a Division 4 event in Houston uh, last weekend. The big notes that I had from there, you know how I like the box scores, Jed, right? Yes, you're a big fan. Steve, Steve Collier, our main man, Steve Collier. Anybody that's got a Vega that goes 170 miles an hour in Supergas, he, he, we should lead the show with Steve Collier. That deserves yeah, a shout. Good point. I mean, I do think it's an extended wheelbase Vega, but it's still a Vega. It still goes 170, right? Steve Collier in said 170 mile an hour Vega wins super gas at Houston, and that is not the story. Even the 170 mile an hour Vega, not the story. The way that he went about it, okay. I, I'm a fan of the box score, Jay. Round one, 11, 90 with a two. Round two, 002, 92, had some room. Round three, 006, 90 with a two. Round four, I can't add that up, Jed. There's nothing there. Trip zip perfect, 990 with a zero. <laughs> Semi-final, missed the tree a little bit, 12, 87.5, I think his opponent was red. Final, he fell off the map. He's 21 and 92, still got the win. That's a nasty, that's hard to do in super gas, right? The perfect run, by the way, came in round four, quarterfinal round, opposite Austin Williams. I think it's fair to say at this point, I don't know that anybody's had a better season than Austin Williams. Some have scored bigger financially, <clears throat> Bo Butner, but uh, Austin already a super gas winner on the divisional level, already a $20,000 winner on the bracket level. I don't, that might have even been a $30,000 race. I think it was a 30. It was and a 30. Then, and then went deep basically every day of the Spring Fling Million at Vegas, uh, was on track to make another late round appearance, runs into a buzzsaw, a perfect run. I guess in 2021, that's how you beat Austin Williams. Just lay down nothing. Seems simple enough. Steve Collier didn't have a problem with it. I will say... Well, well Luke, to that point, I think that's a testament to Austin. I don't know what he did in the other lane, but for Steve to to basically, quote unquote, have to make a perfect run, obviously Austin was in the game, probably was making a solid run himself and you know maybe come up 12, 15,000 shy there. Yeah, no, it's a given. I think Austin was like 10, take on earth. Yeah, I mean, just uh, stick runs from Collier. It's a little bit skewed, admittedly, on the box score because there were two by runs mixed in there. And you think, oh, like it was his lucky day. Well, you got to give him credit for getting two by runs too because this is like an underrated portion of NHRA Superclass racing. So <clears throat> the round one by goes to the best reaction time in the last time trial. Steve was perfect in the last time trial. Like the, the, the better racers know that and like go for perfect, right? So that was by design. So he gets the buy first round. Well, then the ladder for the rest of the event is based upon your ET in round one. Well, he's got a buy run, so he's got a free shot at 90. And he goes 90 with the two to land on the pole, number one qualifier. He wins one round in round two, gets another buy in round three. Again, you can look at that and say, well, that's lucky. And to some extent, it is. But it was also very much by design. So impressive all the way around. Yeah, lit it up dead on the dial three times in eliminations out of six runs um you know when you start thinking about that how impressive that is because it appears again i don't see the other side of the box scores but 
you know, Steve's a great driver. So for him to be going dead on, he did it two times without an opponent in the other lane. So let's make sure that we're clear on that. But for him to be doing those type things, I mean, it just shows a, a, a tremendous amount of ability on his part. But it also shows that, you know, he's got, I guess, the perfect drop spot or whatever and and which makes somebody that's killing the tree extremely challenging to beat when they know where dead on is and can get there that easily you talked about it being 170 mile an hour vega he went 92.3 at 161 in the uh, in the final so obviously could cover the dial and maybe a little more so just i mean tremendously talented driver and when you look at this box score and really break down what he was doing because uh, that's difficult uh, anytime but you know when you got good racers in the other lane you know look who he was racing i mean when he did have opponents just a heck of a talented team on the other side too uh, just the guy really just showed out right there and showed why he is one of the best in the game no we we poke fun at the 170 mile an hour vega collier's got impeccable equipment like he goes 90 like it's going out of style uh in, in super comp and in super gas um and I'll say, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, uh, as an eighth mile bracket race, and you're saying he went that on half the time, whoopee. You're like, whatever, I do that every every time I stage, right? It's just different, man. You go on quarter mile, you got a throttle stop involved, you don't get to pick the dial in. Like, it's way harder than it yeah. sounds if you've never done it. And that's not accounting for the fact that you're going 170 mile an hour in a Vega, right? Kudos to Steve Collier. Se- a close second, Big Jed, on the box score from Houston. Greg Stanfield, obviously a former uh, pro stock racer, uh, maybe at this point best known as Aaron Stanfield's daddy. Also former, I think, three-time NHRA world champion in the super stock category. He got a super stock win in Houston, and he's a close second on the box score, not exclusively for the numbers, which are impressive, but for the, the roster that he rolled through to get this win. Okay, six-round race in super stock. Similar to Steve Collier, led off with a buy run. Obviously, buys work a little bit different stock, super stock. Stanfield got that because he's the fastest damn car there, and that's what he does, right? <laughs> he gets paid to make power. He made power. Qualified on the pole, got the round one buy. After that, win over Paul Candies, one of the more respected racers in Division Four, Gary Emmons, Pete Perry, David Latino, and then a final round win over Brett Candies. Like, you can't roll through a much more star-studded lineup of Superstock competitors than that. And the manner in which he did it, on the tree, uh, let go 33 once, got away with that against Gary Emmons. Other than that, 12, 9, 13, 13, 21 in the final. Pretty nasty for Greg Stanfield. And, as an aside, uh, mentioned, that's Aaron's daddy. Well, Aaron almost pulled the family double uh, for the second consecutive event. Aaron Stanfield drives to the final round in top dragster for the second consecutive event. He comes up just short in the final, but he starts the year with a pair of runner-up finishes in top dragster and is obviously the early leader in the Division Four points chase. Look, maybe we should declare 2021 the year of the former pro stock drivers because yes. obviously they're, they're showing out. But Greg, you know, let's break down again what he accomplished here. You said he was the fastest damn car in the field, so he gets the buy run first round. Well, that was just absolutely intentional, trying to get the buy run. He ran 974 on a, a 1080 index, so he goes 106 under. Well, he did that just to go to the pole. 
he comes back, sets it up in bracket mode, and he's dialing this thing in the, in the high 980s to low 990s from there on out. So, you know, he, he sped it up to 10 or 10th and a half or so just to go to the pole, and then he backs it back down. So, you know, regardless of how good your data is and where you think you are on the dial, that's still a little bit of guessing in that. And it shows a lot of confidence in his part, on his part to say, all right, I'm going to make my run here and go to the pole. And then I'm going to back this thing back down and dial it, you know, try to get close on my dial in and this race. These guys obviously got a buy run first round. So got a, a lot better picture of what it was going to run uh, for the rest of the event. But I, I love I love seeing things like that and and thinking about what's going on in the racer's head and how they just decide okay well i'm going to take this thing to the front and get me a buy run and then i'm going to back back down here and dial it where it you know where i think it's going to be for eliminations and obviously he figured it out very well those guys man like i i i will not pretend to understand everything that goes on in that world but and I know there's a lot of very talented, you know, EFI tuners out there, but watching Aaron and Greg from afar, like they got that stuff figured out. Like it's really, really impressive. And I kind of glazed over Aaron's, you know, back-to-back top dragster runner-ups. Obviously, that's impressive. I think it's really impressive for somebody like Aaron Stanfield because when you just consider what Aaron Stanfield's got going on in life, there is no possible way that running that top dragster is like. A top priority for him it's just not he's running pro stock he's running factory stock as a fitting world champion they've got i'm telling you like minimum 30 customer engines at every event that they go to like he works on everything there and just hops in that 620 dragster like it's an afterthought and wins rounds like it's really impressive to watch yeah obviously shows a tremendous amount of talent on his part as well and, and you you've got a guy that's probably just getting in the car and doing the driving you know i imagine all the the tuning is done by someone else and they're basically telling him kind of this is where we're set up and this is what we're thinking just drive it but that is extremely difficult to to transition from one class to another like that and to just jump in the top dragster which basically obviously just very fast bracket racing for dragsters um you know shows up again just a, a tremendous amount of ability apparently uh anybody named stanfield is super talented and showing out right now but again he's not a former pro stock driver because he still gets behind the wheel but i'd say anybody that's driven a pro stock car that's competing in any type of bracket category right now is just absolutely showing out that's a good point. That's a good point. And maybe there's something to that. The race has got to slow down a little bit. Like, I don't care how intense what we do is. Like, it's not pulling gears at 660s, right? Like, there's a yeah. lot going on. I would imagine there's a lot going on in a pro stock car. Competition Eliminator Division 4. We don't spend a ton of time on comp here, but I, I do like to revisit it as it pertains to Division 4 just because the, the Roof Tech and Owens Corning bonus is so massive like i feel like it it makes comp a story i mean if you're not aware the the winner of the division four competition eliminator championships going to take home fifty thousand dollars and it's not just the winner i mean it pays back like 10 places so what we've had is not necessarily every competitive comp car in the country like i kind of originally thought 
converging on Division Four, but man, a lot of them. You know what I mean? Like this, the the winner in Houston was Jim Kimbrough. I believe that the Kimbroughs are from Florida. I know he's always run Division Two. They're running Division Four this year. Brad Plord running Division Four this year. Um, Sean Vincent from uh, Nebraska running Division Four this year. Dean Carter has made the haul all the way from California to the Division Four races running Division Four this year. They're all chasing that money, and Kimbrough got the win over the aforementioned Roger Brogdon. Roger Brogdon, the uh, the owner of Rooftech that has put this whole program together. Uh, Kimbrough, similar. We talked about Greg Campaign doing this at the Gator Nationals. Kimbrough not only won the event, won the event without taking any permanent index when in competition eliminator terms. Like that is the 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 gold standard right that's the ultimate outcome is not only to win but not have it cost you index at the next event uh kimbrough pulled that off and as a result catapults into uh, admittedly a bit of an early lead but into the lead in division four so uh, that was worth noting stock eliminator saw jerry emmons over Britt cummings heads up final heads up finals are always fun this one was anticlimactic i don't know exactly what happened to Britt. i don't know if he had wheelie trouble or broke something but he was way slow in the final jerry emmons got the win i felt like that um jed really highlighted uh impressive runs from both uh over the course of not just the weekend in houston but really the last month or so uh, the Emmons family saw Speedy take runner-up in Superstock at Bellrose. They're always in the mix everywhere they go. Britt, runner-up here, and the Stock Divisional also runner-up at the uh, <clears throat> the SM- SGMP race that uh, Bo Butner put on. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with the title for that race now. That was a big money runner-up, so Britt basically back-to-back high-level finals in Stock Eliminator. Yeah, the Stock, Superstock, um uh, shoot, shootout, I think is what they called it anyway, Luke. But yeah, uh, Britt got the, the better of, of that matchup, that heads up matchup down in uh, South Georgia, but come up a little short there. That's right. Um, they squared off heads up there too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So uh, obviously Britt plenty fast enough, not real sure exactly uh, what caused the, the failure for him, but um, you know, it was going to be a tough out either way though, because Emmons uh, is fast. So Britt had to Britt had to make it run either way, so had to go well, and obviously didn't. But, um, the uh, excuse me, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, the 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 runner up in uh, Superstock at, at Bell Rose, and and that. So he's had a good season. Hopefully, he gets his uh, challenges straightened out. I'm sure he will, and gets back on the track soon. Uh, one other note that I had from Houston, former NHRA world champion. We're going back a little ways. Uh, it's over, well over a decade ago. Lyndon Rutland, uh, former NHRA world champion uh, in Supercomp, won in that category uh, in Houston. Uh, I wanted to bring note to notable quarterfinal win over one Christopher Dodd, who normally I rave about the box score of. Christopher Dodd did not win this race. And I thought, oh, what happened to Christopher Dodd? So I pulled up the box score leading into round four. Oh my God, Jed. Like, I laugh about Christopher Dodd being the Black and Decker tree wrecker. Like, he just never misses it. Through three rounds in Houston, he was no worse than 005. Like, you just don't see that in Supercom. He wow. did go red to Lyndon Rutland uh, in the quarterfinals. Rutland was solid, by the way, 007, 89.5. So, uh, Christopher would have had his hands full anyway. But uh, I guess the way to beat Austin Williams in 2021, just lay down nothing. The way to beat Christopher Dodd in 2021, hope he goes red. I think we've established that at this point. Um, 
also en route to the final, Lyndon Rutland defeated Ross Larice. That was in the semifinal round. And I think that just further solidifies, we've talked about Ross a little bit on previous episodes, a stellar start to the 2021 campaign for Ross Larice. He had that double at the Gainesville Divisional. And now when you add in the semifinal finish here in Supercom, he is admittedly early, but the early season national points leader in Supercom. Any update on how Russ Laris did? Hadn't heard about Russ's performance. I know I know Ross Larice did well. Not sure about <laughs> Russ Laris. Yeah, Ross uh, obviously having a really good season already, so good to see that as well. And uh, and you talked about Dodd. Wow. Um, never worse than 005. Obviously, come up short, turn it red. But, Luke, 005 or better just throughout the, the, the day or the – the event that's uh that's incredible i mean you, it's you say that, black and drecker black black and decker tree wrecker but that is ridiculous it is incredible but it's not just throughout the event like it's for the last three damn years like he just doesn't <laughs> let djs doesn't mess up like it's incredible yeah that is uh, that's a lot of talent but it's uh, even more focus that's it that takes a tremendous amount of focus to to just be that solid every time well done sir all right, let's transition into some big dollar bracket racing. Big Jed, take us to Kentucky for the CP Promotions Kentucky Spring Nationals. Yeah, our buddy Cody Pollage uh, takes his show on the road to London, Kentucky. I think this is his first time to go to Kentucky with his promotion efforts. So really good to see him branching out there. It was uh, scheduled to be 310 granders, Luke, but they had uh, rain on Saturday. So they combined Saturday and Sunday and paid 20 grand. Uh, but uh, London Dragway, uh, super good facility, uh, very nice, wide, long, just a great track there in uh, in eastern Kentucky. And um, they had a really good crowd. Corey Griffith, uh, the young man that showed out at the WFC last year, just wrecked them. A guy that doesn't foot break very much at all uh, goes and gets the bottom ball win in the bottom ball portion of the 10K on Friday, and then rolls into the field with the super pro guys and takes it all the way to the final round and collects the 10K payday with his win over Taylor Cook. Corey Griffith, the super talented bottom ball racer out of Ohio. Um, he's, uh, well, I mentioned Quaker City a little earlier. I think he, he frequents that place very, uh, very much. and. A uh, guy that is has made a huge name for himself on the bottom bulb side, but when you roll into the field with the top bulbers, Luke, and get it done, that certainly uh, brings a little more uh, notoriety and recognition to what you're doing on the bottom, and uh, just again, it's uh, highlights a guy that is super humble, super nice, and very very talented. Great to see Corey get that win over Taylor Cook. Yeah, I mean, every time that we see this, like I just shake my head because I I cannot imagine, well, I mean, at this point in my career, I'm not sure that I can imagine winning the bottom ball portion of the event to begin with, much less, but what I really can't imagine, Jed, is then proceeding through, what, four or five rounds against box-equipped cars, just like it's nothing. And it happens so often. I've said this before, like I shouldn't be surprised by it, especially uh, when we're talking about a racer that is as talented as um, Corey Griffith. But 
it's just it it makes me shake my head every time like that is an it's in a hell of an achievement to to be able to do that off the bottom i i don't care how many times it's done i i will think that every single time very well said and uh like i said luke saturday got rained out sunday they combined the two 10 granders for a 20 grander joey ramsey uh, which i understand is a guy there fairly local to london takes the win and gets the big twenty thousand dollar payday he got that over my good friend and team bad guys teammate Dwayne sasquatch martin uh Dwayne and larry rolled up there for the for the uh kentucky nationals and uh, had great things to say about cp promotions and what they did and certainly the folks at london dragway and all of the the great track prep and just overall facilities it was just clean just nice everyone's friendly so all in all really good time for everyone there and i think it turned out to be a successful event for cody so i hope to see him be able to to get back there and do some more or, or certainly keep branching out and visiting facilities out our way and would like to get the opportunity to compete in something he's doing but um all in all luke just a, a great event at a great facility and you know, something that, that we really love to report on is because that's the type of events that we like to see. Foot break alert. I'm just going to sh- mute my microphone, Jed, and let you take care of this one. Uh, big money foot break race, Virginia Motorsports Park. Go. Yeah, VMP hosted uh, the inaugural No Button Nats. Uh, the No Button Nationals there at Virginia, uh, Tyler Crossnow and uh, the team there at VMP uh, brought this event to light for the first time this year um unfortunately did not seem to to have the the car count necessary for this to be considered a, a huge hit which is a shame because it was a wonderful format at a great facility um you know located well it was located right basically in the middle of footbreak country so everything said that it, it was the rest, perfect recipe for this thing to have a huge blowout crowd, but not real sure what happened. Um, just didn't seem to go perfectly, but those guys, you know, stepped up and did everything they could, paid good money out. They had a, you know, really good track surface. Tyler was down at the PDRA event at uh, Galat, so he was not able to be there for his own event. Uh, I think Jake Hodge pretty much managed that one for him and watched over it but all in all just uh you know a great facility and a great race and hopefully it gets another opportunity uh, somewhere down the road and and gets a little better attendance but friday's 5k luke was todd atkinson a guy that uh, has visited you know our events quite a few times over deadly devin dudley and uh, Dudley was perfect in the final and got a little bit too much strike to break it out by 5,000. Devin Dudley, again, off to a hot start this year, a guy that we continue to see show out on the big stage. Um, there's a big event this weekend we'll talk about in a little bit that I'm sure he's going to be a factor in. So that was a good start for those two guys. Saturday's 10K, very familiar faces again in the winner's circle. Randy Biddle Jr. took his small tire high five second Malibu to the 10K win over Dave Dissinger. Uh, Dave, uh, certainly a guy that has uh, starting to get back out a little bit, uh, traveled quite a bit over the, the years, several years ago, uh, kind of died down and stayed fairly local for a little while, but Dave's starting to get back out 
and he's showing how talented he is. Very, very good foot brake racer. But when you got Randy Biddle Jr. in the other lane, it's always a challenge, whether it's hitting the top or the bottom. RBJ gets a huge foot brake 10K win there. Very happy to see those guys make the final round. And then Sunday's 5K, uh, certainly uh, where I've said typical winner circle people, um, this is not the case here for the winner, but it's because she doesn't get the opportunity to race a whole lot. But obviously, when she does, she shows that she's uh, talented and capable of getting it done. Janet Baden, Janet uh, from up in the Maryland area, um, I think her home track uh, is, has uh, made it a little more challenging with not having uh, any events for them, made it a little more challenging for her to get out and race very much. But she took the opportunity to go to VMP, gets a huge win in the 5K Sunday foot break race over Marty Flegel. Uh, Marty, a former uh, NHRA um, champion in Division One uh, Pro ET, and you know has gone to the World Finals and competed. A uh, guy that's won many, 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 but big foot brake races. Talented young man, uh, hard out for anybody. Janet, Janet gets it done in a great final round. By the way, both of them lit it up very good and and ran the dial in. So uh, great to see Janet get that win again hate to see that it didn't get the participation that it deserved and needed but certainly uh sounds like everybody at vmp did everything they could to make this enjoyable for the racers so kudos to them and hope to see tyler and, and his team put on some more of these type of events and you know help uh help the foot brake class racers get opportunities to race great events and this was certainly one of those Absolutely, Jed. We'll switch gears uh, once more. The last race that we wanted to, uh, to kind of cover from uh, the last week and a half, but the Class Racer Revival. This made its way uh, to my area, up to uh, the racetrack formerly known as Gateway. That's Worldwide Technology Raceway near St. Louis. Uh, this was a stock, super stock event. Uh, mega purse uh, put on by Tyler Bohannon and Brian Whitworth, TV Promotions. Uh, this basically piggybacked on the event that we mentioned earlier from South Georgia Motorsports Park that Bo Butner, Dave Connolly, and Jason Lyon put on. Similar format, stock-super-stock combo for a ton of money. Different part of the country. Uh, as we've said before, it, it feels as though that market is crying out for events of this nature. Uh, this one probably not quite as well supported as the race in South Georgia. Again, you could say probably for a, a multitude of reasons, it, it is per perhaps a little bit early on the calendar for an event in, in this part of the country. But nonetheless, like again, not a failure of an event by any stretch. I believe there was 80 plus um, either stock or super stock. There was like 80 plus in one class and 60-ish in another. Uh, I don't think it's quite what they were hoping for, but a, a decent turnout and by all accounts, uh, a very positive event across the board. Highlighted by two $25,000 to win races. The first one was won by Matt Morris, one of the Fighting Morris uh, family from uh, from Kentucky. Matt got the win over Larry Gilly, who had made the trip all the way from, where's Larry, from California? I know somewhere in Division 7. That's a long way from St. Louis. Um, 25 grander number two, Chuck Bohannon was the winner over Mr. Jeff Taylor. A couple of familiar names in that type of racing. Uh, Chuck Bohannon, by the way, also a semifinalist in the first 25 grander, kind of ran over the weekend there. Also had a couple of $5,000 kind of uh, bonus races, if you will. Uh, those were won by Craig Maddox and Tony Mandela over Marion Stevenson and Brett Spear, um, respectively. 
Mcjed, I I don't want to make too big a deal about this, and I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, my reasoning behind it, like the race, obviously uh, promoted by TB Promotions, uh, Tyler Bohannon, Brian Whitworth. The race won by Chuck Bohannon. There there is a relation there, and. I guess, Jed, like, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you know that I typically rail against this. Like, not even suggesting any hint of impropriety. It's just a, it's a, it's a bad look, right? And I, I say this from experience. I grew up racing at a racetrack. I've said, I've told this story before, um, where the track owner's wife would compete with us every Saturday night, and she was a very good racer, and she was the sweetest woman at the racetrack, right? I'm telling you, whenever she would have success, it was always marred by the chance, the underlying uh, innuendo of tower power, right? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd win too if my husband owned the race, like, which is ridiculous, but it's inevitable. Like, it comes up. And as, as a, a race promoter, I've always said, like, why would you want to deal with that? Like, why subject yourself to that? Like, it's just, you can't win, Right. If you if you win, you lose. If you lose, you lose. Like, it's just not a good situation. So normally I would advocate, like, what's Chuck Mohannon even doing racing at this event? The reason, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying this, Jed. I'm not that dialed into the stock super stock community. Like, I don't know if there has been any negative feedback from this. My... Um, my inkling, like, my, my sense of this is that there has been little to none for two reasons. Number one, I think, and, and to my experience, rightfully so, Chuck Bohannon, arguably like the most respected racer in the pits at those events, and deservingly so. Like Chuck, stand-up dude, and a hell of a racer, right? So I, and, and particularly within that tight-knit community, that goes a long way, right? The other side of this is that like, I don't know the financial details we went through the car count. My interpretation of this event is that it certainly wasn't profitable and probably was in the red. And again, given the nature of this event, given how new this is, paying this type of money for stock super stock racing, those that were there to support it love this opportunity, right? Love the opportunity to race for uh, money that is, is commensurate to the what's they've got invested in their vehicles at a quality facility on a racetrack that by all accounts was prepped to perfection a well-run event with well-intentioned promoters like this everyone there seemed to sing the praises of this event and i think it's fair to say that no one in attendance wanted to see this event lose money right so if it took chuck bohannon winning the event to keep that event from losing money for that family I don't, my impression once again is that no one had a problem with that. So this is a unique scenario where typically I would like, oh man, like that's a tough look. I don't know that that necessarily applies here. Yeah, Luke, I, you know, personally don't have a problem with it whatsoever. You know, I think racing has evolved to the point where everybody understands the timing system doesn't and can't choose. Now, oh, obviously, if there's a point. like that argument is ridiculous. Yeah, right? obviously, like, if there's a situation, but it's there, right? Where a decision has to be made, that's those become no-win situations when a family member's involved. Is certainly immediate family, like a father, but um, you know, obviously, people. Uh, 
show up to an event like this with a lot of trust in the promotion team. Um, Tyler and Brian have shown the ability to to put on very good races, and those guys are, you know, as fair as it gets. So I don't think uh, I don't think there was an issue. I haven't heard any issues. I don't expect we would hear any issues. You know, maybe in the bracket racing scene, you would hear somebody rumble a little bit about it, but uh, possibly that that group of racers a little more understanding and a little more appreciative as we get on the bracket racing side, we get entitled pretty easily. Uh, you know, we people owe us these big events because everybody else is having them. So uh, you got to have more of them. And this, maybe this was a, a more appreciative crowd and think racing for money they don't get to race for in an atmosphere they don't get to race in where they are the absolute show. So I would think a lot of things are leading to this being just a non-issue whatsoever and uh, certainly wouldn't be for me either. So uh, I'm cool with it and hopefully everybody else is too. All right, Ted, we've got a couple of things on the, on the show roster, on the agenda here. I think we need to we need to take a break. We need to regroup. We need, really need to think about how we want to approach these last two topics. This could be fun. This could be a, an absolute dumpster fire, if I'm going to be completely honest. What we need right now, Mark, cue up some PJ North so we can go over this off the air for just for a second. <laughs> Call me John Force. All they wanna know is what I'ma do for an encore. I might bring out the cutty, might bring out my secret weapon, but all you know is I'm coming and I'm busting down your door. I might pull a Kevin Brandon, double up in some divisions. Top tracks in here are super cop is where I'm winning. Don't let me fool you. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services. Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. If For our listeners, if you have been listening to the show for a long time, or to be quite frank, if you have listened to this episode all the way through to this point, you heard an ad earlier. It's official, Jed. We, we've sold out. Yes, we've gone corporate. And who else could have dropped the bag for the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast than our friends at Manscaped? we got to dig a little bit deeper here because we received some – What I, I feel like these are exclusive – we received some exclusive care packages. Like, we've got the goods, Big Jed. 
Oh, we definitely have the goods, Luke. Uh, our great friends at Manscaped, they reached out to us. So they heard, obviously, somebody's contacted them and told them we, we discussed them on the show. So they reached out to us and said, hey, guys, you know, we, we we're interested in a partnership with you. So why don't we send you some product and and send the producer and the host some product and you guys talk about it on the show and tell people what you think about it. And let's see if we can generate some interest in the, the products that we offer. And they they did what they said. And now we're doing what we said. They sent us the perfect package 3.0 kit, Luke. Uh, and it's got, you know, some grooming tools, some, uh, I guess, some tools to um, make you smell pleasant. And Which is always a plus. It's always a plus. I can never think of a time when smelling good on any part of your body is a bad thing. This is always a good thing. And Manscaped has taken that to a new level. Uh, they sent us the kit. Their their slogan is what it is. Um, they are 100% correct. You know, Luke, and- we're racers. We love our equipment to look good. You know, one thing we do is spend a lot of time and money on trying to make our equipment look good and you know that's i've got a ton of wasted money in my car i'm sure that you could feel the same way about yours yes. manscaped has make it has made the process of looking and feeling good very inexpensive very inexpensive safe i mean let's let's be honest that that activity safety that, is very important safety is number one Luke. <laughs> Safety's number one. We spend a lot of money on safety. This, again, is an inexpensive safety measure. The folks at Manscaped have, have this no-snag technology. You know, any, anything you're grooming, any, anything you're doing some trim work on, you don't want it to be dangerous. You want it to be a, a, a carefree, a worry-free experience. The folks at Manscaped have made that possible while giving you absolutely the best result they're also creating the easiest path i mean their 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 perfect package 3.0 kit is their best seller it's obvious why it's got perfect tools in it we're racers our tools are our livelihood luke if we don't have the proper tools to prepare our parts then we're going to fail it's, I mean, it's just plain and simple. Manscaped has fixed that for us. So even if you're a lady and you've got to this point in the show and you're listening, do your man a favor. Go to manscaped.com. Enter your promo code JED. As simple as that. J-E-D. Enter that. You're getting 20% off plus free shipping. You're saving 20% on the best products in the market. And you're also getting free shipping and then when it arrives, it's absolutely heaven. Go to manscaped.com, enter promo code JED, get 20% off and free shipping. Fellas, Manscaped says it best, and I will tell you, it's confirmed. Your balls will definitely thank you. Jed, I, I was going to add, I can't add to that. I'm, <laughs> that was masterful. If you're not... Yeah, if if you haven't gone to manscaped.com and entered that promo code now, I, you're not going to. Like, you can't sell it any better than that. Thank you for that. Uh, it is. It's quality stuff. Like w- the three of us, uh, you, you yourself, myself, producer Mark included, they dropped the bag for all of us. We've all got the goods. We've all tried it. 
um, it's it's good stuff. It's it's uh, it's a it's a worthwhile investment. You will not be disappointed. And Luke, I will go to our listeners real quick and say, if you love the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast with Luke and Jed, and you're always thinking, what could I do to make that show better? Go to manscape.com, enter promo code Jed, get the 20% off, and the free shipping is tracking right back to the show. We're leading you there. That's good for us. It's good for you. It keeps the podcast going, and it definitely helps us build a partnership with a legendary brand like Manscaped. So if you want to help this show, go to manscaped.com and do what I've been telling you to do. Your balls will thank you. Yes, they will. Mine have thanked me several times since yesterday. Okay, Jed. I don't know how to transition. I'm going to transition into our, our NCAA tournament review. I mentioned this briefly Speaking in the of intro. Balls. Speaking of balls, uh, the ball was bouncing at the NCAA tournament. We did see uh, a, a slight upset in the final, which I think is also a slight up, upset in our power rankings. Uh, uh, although the final is what it should have been in terms of college basketball that was Gonzaga against Baylor that was the matchup that everyone wanted it wasn't really the game that any of us expected uh, Gonzaga was the favorite Baylor blew their doors off um, yeah. so that was a, a bit of an upset from what we expected coming in and I do think within the show well we've always put the the two names on a pedestal right the Saturday Night Hooker and the strip teaser the strip teaser was always kind of 1A right that's why we associated them with Gonzaga so it was an upset in our bracket, too. I'm a big fan of the Saturday Night Hooker. Great race car name. Um, I think it's got to, with this win, it's got to take Paramount. It's, it's got to be 1A. Yeah, Saturday Night Hooker definitely to the top, Luke. Uh, the, the Baylor Bears pulled off something that I thought was possible in terms of defeating Gonzaga but I never dreamed it could happen the way that it happened. Uh, that was an absolute blowout. I think once the game was really underway, solidly underway, it never got closer than nine points. That was very brief in the second half. Uh, Baylor just absolutely handled them. I hate that for our buddy Brad Pluard. He, he lives and breathes Gonzaga, and I know he, he was definitely hoping for that national championship. That team will be back. Uh, strip teaser will definitely – make a run at it again next year but saturday night hooker is the team of the hour uh, in basketball college basketball for 2021 what a what an amazing performance by the saturday night hooker and you know that's not something i would typically get to say but i get to say it here and certainly was uh, very impressed by how the saturday night hooker handled those balls oh jed oh, did I? the baylor bears and the Saturday Night Hooker came into that game like Scotty Richardson in 1993 coming into a race and at the end of the season and all season long, all anybody had been talking about was how some dude from Wyoming was the best racer in the country. And Scotty just came in pissed off at the world. It was like, no, that's, I, that's so much there is not the best racer in the country. I'm about to show y'all. That was bad. Like, only oh thing God. missing was yeah, Luke. The only thing missing in that uh, scenario was the perm. You know, good point. No, no, nobody well on Baylor's team had a perm, but <laughs> Scotty was wearing it strong in '93, baby. Good candidate for the, <laughs> the ad that we just read. Oh, yeah, yeah, he needed some manscaping. All right, I don't know. I don't know what I expected out of the last five minutes. Um, I think I think we hit it. Well, good. I hope. Uh, I hope you know people heard the message there because there's there's a lot 
going on in that message. And <laughs> we need you, and you need Manscaped. So check them out. Luke, that wraps us up. Huh? Uh, I mean, what a great show. Uh, this is one of my favorites for sure, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to more of this partnership, this newfound partnership, and uh, all the, the stuff we get to say online that we wouldn't typically get to talk about. So it's been a wonderful time, but we're done. If you loved what you heard, if you hated what you heard, you want to hear more or less, whatever, let us know at the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can just go right there and send us a message, or you can put it out there for the world to see. If you got you know, stories about anything we've talked about here, and you kind of know what I'm saying, um, and you can tell them online, look, go out there and tell us. Tell us how much you love the sponsors that bring the show to you because those are the people keeping this show alive. And we need them and you need them. So check us out there on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Message us. Let us know what's happening. Talk to us. Let us know you're out there. And, uh, you know, Luke, I, I have no idea what you, you have for shouts right here, but it's got to be classic. I have a feeling it's going to pale in comparison to the last five minutes, but shouts to the strip teaser the saturday night hooker shouts also to the psycho stripper had that one sent in by a, a listener in the last week that's a good race car name right that definitely would have made yeah. the bracket the psycho stripper shouts big jed I, I i don't even know how many of our listeners caught this i doubt that you caught it i think you were referring to Corey griffith's domination at kentucky and you said that he just flat wrecked them but the way that you said it, I thought you said wrecked them and not wrecked them. <laughs> so it just made me pause for a second. So shouts uh, to wrecked them and to wrecked them. There. Shouts to Ross Larice and Russ Laris. Shouts to uh, Slate Cummings. Uh, we, we were going to touch on this earlier. Slate crashed as Superstalker. Finish line accident. Looked like he got on the brakes. Lost control. Bad deal. Hit hard, too. But the reason – that's not the reason I want to shout him out. The reason I want to shout him out is – I love their willingness to have fun with bad situations. Like, say what you want, and I know that the Cummings are a little bit polarizing. Like, people tend to either love them or hate them. I love them. And just yes. the fact that, like, they're promoting an event in uh, in Texas this week, and whatever, what the Facebook post was, like, coming in hot, right? And it's this smashed up super stock car. Like, the, their willingness to have fun with that situation, I think, is awesome. And, yeah, and we could use more of um, shouts to deadly Devin Dudley I love that I hadn't heard that before that's a mouthful by the way oh yeah triple D shouts of course to our friends at Manscaped and I, I would say shouts and at the same time farewell to our friends at Nut Dust because we we have sold out we can no longer I don't know if Manscaped would look at Nut, Nut Dust as a, as a competitor but we will and Manscaped dropped the boat. Manscaped dropped the bag. So sorry, Nut Dust, you're out. Uh, and have never used your product, can't endorse it. Have used Manscaped. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them, Luke. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, hey, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking good. You as you said it yourself, it's all about taking care of your equipment. I can't it's wait to get to the races. I, I feel faster than I've ever felt. I mean, I feel like I'm, my donkey stomp on the on the gas pedal is going to be faster than ever. I mean, I am absolutely just uh, everything's flowing. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm really excited about it. So, uh, definitely great list of shout outs there, and, and very fitting for the the show. Faster than ever, lighter than ever, ready, ready. Yeah, landscape <laughs> has us ready.
That's good stuff. So guys, uh, certainly appreciate you listening this long. Um, we appreciate the sponsors that bring the show to you. Again, all of them, make sure you go to them for the products and services they offer and, and certainly support them. Give them opportunity to earn your business because they have uh, earned at least a fair opportunity for you to do business with them. And um, other than that, if you like the Twitter, uh, both Luke and I have shouted out our great friends at Manscaped on Twitter. If you got a great story about our newest sponsor, go out there and tell it. I uh, certainly want to hear the success stories, but mainly want you to go to manscaped.com. Use promo code JED for that 20% off and free shipping. Uh, your balls will thank you, and you can also send us a thank you note from them if you'd like. But shout us out there on Twitter. Uh, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. That wraps us up. We appreciate you listening, and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.